0: Great worship, wasn't it? Just getting in the presence of the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Pastor Nick and your team. Anybody got any Bibles in this house? In this technology age, you still got those pieces of paper? If you do, hold them up, shake them a little bit, make the, good, the bookstores glad and the devil mad, and let's chop off some devil's heads. Na, 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 na. Come on, help me out here. Na, 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 na. There you go. Why? Because this thing is a weapon, Right? Well, you don't fight against flesh and blood, but against spirits, powers, principalities. If you believe that, repeat after me. Say, this Bible has the power to change my life, to change my city. I can do what this Bible says I can do. I'll be a history maker and a world shaker. This Bible's a truth detector, a sin deflector, a faith inflator. I'm going to read it now. I'm going to read it later. If you believe that, give Jesus a shout and a hand clap. Oh, yeah. I'm ready to go now. Hallelujah. I want to share a message with you entitled, Faith Fights for the Grapes. Let's say that together. Faith Fights for the Grapes. We're going to start at the end and work our way to the beginning. Okay? First of all, grapes. Grapes represent those promises of God. And let's look at Numbers 13, 1 and 2. The Lord spoke to Moses Saying, send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the children of Israel, land of milk and honey. That's this promise of this great place the children of Israel go go to. In verse 17, Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan. You get to verse 23. Then they came to the valley of Eshgal, and there cut down a branch with one cluster of grapes. They carried it between two of them on a pole. They also brought some of the pomegranates and figs. So what do these grapes represent? They represent God's promises, His blessing, His provision, His protection, I mean His kingdom. It represents all those promises. Those are what the grapes represent. Okay? And I believe today in this house we have Joshua and Caleb back from the land of Canaan and they're coming down an aisle near you. Bringing back some of those big grapes. Joshua and Caleb. Caleb, almost 80 years old, but he's making his way up here. Amen, amen. So we got some giant grapes here. Give Joshua and Caleb a hand here. All right. Thank you, gentlemen. All right. Okay. You just don't want to stop playing that, do you, Andy? You like that song, huh? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But again, these grapes represent God's promises. And you know, I was told there's over 7,000 promises in this Bible right here. And I bet there's one for every situation you got. There's a promise for that situation. Now, we talked about the grapes representing God's promise. and let's talk about the fight. Because the fight represents the journey. The battles we must win to enter into these precious promises God has for us. And this battle, the way it works is line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little, there a little. We go from glory to glory, from level to ve- level, and we kind of unlock these different levels to get to the next one. And kind of compare it, this this journey we go on, kind of like one of those old video games like, you know, Mario World, or one of the, with Mario in, where they're kind of at one level, and you're just kind of stuck there. Until you do certain things... And get certain keys, and then you begin to unlock that level, and guess what? You can go to another level. And it's like that spiritually. There are some keys you need to have to unlock the gates to get to those grapes. Okay? I want to give you first a couple principles for getting the grapes. All right? Number one principle. The grapes are not for the holy. They're for the hungry. Too many people feel like you're not worthy. Like I, you just don't measure up. And the enemy's kind of beating you up on whatever. But you don't have to be perfect, okay? But you do have to be passionate. There has to be a hunger. There has to be something that you just, you want more. You, You want what God has for you. Just think about the Samaritan woman at the well. I mean, she was not worthy or deserving in any way. But yet, Jesus gave her words of life. And you know that woman left not having to thirst again. She tasted of that eternal life. There was also another man. A tax collector, ripping people off, taking more than he should. Zacchaeus, the little guy, so hungry for God, got up in that tree, and before you know it, Jesus was in his house having supper. But they were hungry, and you know what? God wants you to have the grapes of favor, the grapes of prosperity, the grapes of health, even more than you do. He really does that. But you've got to stop focusing on your weaknesses and start focusing on His strengths. Point number two about the grapes. The grapes are not placed within your mouth. They're placed within your reach. That means no one wakes up successful, okay? You just don't wake up that way. But our decisions determine our success. And sometimes we have this mentality, well, if God wants me healed, if God wants me happy, if God wants me successful, well, I got news for you. Open up this book. It says He does. I wish that you would be in health and prosper, even as my soul prospers. He's got a great health package here. He'll forgive all your iniquities. He'll heal all your diseases. That's what He says. He paid a great price on that cross for our healing and for our health and for our provision. So He wants you to have it. But you know, here's the thing. God has put certain laws of the universe in motion. The earth spins at a certain speed and there's gravity. And every one of us that jump off a building are going to hit the ground. Because gravity is in place. But there are certain spiritual laws of the kingdom that are in place. And we have to operate in those laws. Just like the law of sowing and reaping. You know, there's certain laws you've got to follow. And when you're obedient, uh, it's amazing how good things can happen. Now, there are giants in that land. But God said that land's ours, correct? Okay, now let's talk about the journey. Now, get the picture of Moses leading the children out of the, uh, of the land of Egypt. In Exodus eight. Now there arose a new king over Egypt who did not know Joseph. And he said to his people, Look, the people of the children of Israel are more and mightier than we. Come, let us deal shrewdly with them. lest they multiply, and it happened in the event of war, that they also join our enemies and fight against us, and so go up out of the land. There they set taskmasters taskmasters over them to afflict them for their burdens, and they built for Pharaoh supply cities, Pithom and Ramses. Okay, these Old Testament stories are pictures, they're types, they're shadows of our spiritual life we have. And we can look at them as examples and how to fight what they fought was a natural battle. We oftentimes fight a spiritual battle. But those spiritual battles can manifest in a very real natural way. Now just as Moses confronted Pharaoh... And said, let my people go. And pretty soon after all the plagues, Pharaoh let God's people go. Moses led him out and led him through where? The Red Sea. Into the wilderness. Okay, now God sends Jesus to set us free, to lead us out. Now, first of all, Egypt always represents the world and its world system. And that place we were at before we knew Christ. And then Jesus is like Moses who wants to lead us out. And Pharaoh is a type of devil And the taskmasters are his demons that he uses. And I'm telling you, there's literal taskmasters right now, demonic forces, that want to burden you down, that want to keep you in bondage. Even after you become a Christian, they'll continue to just keep you in bad habits and things. And the enemy has those taskmasters. But just like the children of Israel passed through that Red Sea, it says in 1 Corinthians 10 that our forefathers passed through that Red Sea and it was a type of baptism when we identify with Christ and are born again and invite Him into our life and have a personal relationship, then we're to be water baptized. I was sprinkled as a child, but you know what? That just don't cut it. Because biblically, baptism means, actually, it's the word that we use, baptismo, where you dye clothes. And the clothes have to go all the way under that water to come up a different color. But just when those uh, the children of Israel went through that Red Sea and they crossed to the other side, what happened to their enemies? They were drowned. That sea flooded them. When you go down in the baptism water, first of all, you're buried like Christ and come up brand new. What happens to your enemy? They're buried in that water. And they're defeated. And you can really break those uh, spirits of inheritance and curses of the generations that kind of pass, want to pass through your bloodstream. But praise God, we got new blood when you're a Christian, right? The blood of Christ runs through your veins. But here's the thing. You come into a relationship with Christ. He brings you out of the darkness into, your light, into the light. Does not it seem like when you make that step to Christ, then every demonic force comes against you? And it's like this huge wall comes up, and you go, oh man, why did... It's almost... You had that thought. Man, why did I do this? But you know what? Just like the children of Israel, when they hit the first little opposition, oh, we have no water. Oh God, what are we going to do? Can't we just go back to Egypt? And you're thinking, yeah, be, go to Egypt, be a slave, do everything for Pharaoh and build his cities. When God's got all this for you. But I'm telling you, it's like a smoke screen. And you come up against that, and so many times, people that make a decision for Christ hit that smoke screen, that, that, that mirage the enemy puts up, and it just seems so big, they turn around and go back. How many have sensed that smoke screen, that, that wall you hit? But how many have pressed through it and realized, man, it's worth pressing through, and it's not worth going back to Egypt? Amen? Okay. The fight begins. But there's lessons we need to learn and levels we need to go through if we're going to get these gates unlocked to get to those grapes. Okay? Let's talk about these levels. The first level, level one, is the letting go level. Say letting go. The children of Israel had to let go of some things. When you become a Christian and you're delivered from the darkness, here's what happens first. You have to let go of some things. You have to let go of the world. You have to let go of maybe some friends. Some habits, some ways of thinking. You've got to let go of those things. Or what? They're going to continue to drag you down and pull you back. And here's one of the keys you need if you want to unlock this level of letting go. You need the key of forgiveness. Say forgiveness. You've got to let go of those that hurt you. It's one of the foundational principles. Listen to what the Word of God says in Matthew 6. For if you forgive men for their transgressions... Your heavenly Father will also forgive you. If you do not forgive men, then your Father will not forgive you of your transgressions. Very, That's that's a spiritual law that's in place that God can't override. You must release them. We have our Connect class, which a lot of times uh, fairly new people um, or people that just want to get back involved in the church. But, you know, we're kind of going through some basic things. And it was one of those, one young man opened up about just how tough it was as a childhood, and his father. And he hadn't spoken to him in a while. And we started talking about forgiveness. And then pretty soon, another girl began to open up. She said, I really don't share in front of people. About 15 minutes later, we realized, I think you're sharing in front of people. And it was just a real atmosphere of love and trust. But just how do you forgive somebody? And then a lady started sharing about her husband and how abusive in every area you could imagine. And how do you forgive somebody like that? Well, first of all, forgiveness is a choice, not a feeling. OK, it's a spirit. See, words are containers and they carry power. And when you say I forgive you, there's power goes out in the atmosphere more so than just saying I'm sorry. I'm sorry is more of a soulish thing. But when you say forgive me, I'm telling you, that breaks the back of the enemy. It really does. And that's the key you need, because if you got a hold of them by the neck spiritually and you say they and they do deserve justice. But why don't you let God do that? Because if you got a hold of them, how are you going to grab grapes? I mean, you just got a hold of them. Let go. Say, I'm going to let go. So you need that key of forgiveness and let go of those. That way you can get out of that land of bondage and bitterness and you won't be bound to them and become just like them. That's what happens when you don't forgive them. You've got to release them. Okay, another key in this level of, of letting go is the key of commitment. That's where you've got to commit to Christ. You've got to commit to picking up your cross and following Him. I mean, there it, it just has to be a commitment. I know you've heard this story before, but it just paints a good picture. The, chick- the chicken and the pig got together because they could see all the hungry people in the city. And they're discussing and talking. We've got to come up with something to just take care of these hungry people and feed them. The chicken, boom, great idea comes up with. Let's have at bacon and egg breakfast. I mean, that'll feed everybody. You know, everybody's excited except the pig. And why? I mean, that's a commitment, right? If he's going to give up his bacon. But that's it. I mean, we literally got to give up our lives. We got to commit to Christ. If we don't lose our life, we'll never find it. But there's got to be that commitment. And the Bible says... How many spies went into the, the land of Canaan to spy it out? And two of them were Joshua and Caleb. The Bible says they had a different spirit. Ten of them went back moaning and groaning. And Joshua and Caleb, you know, these grapes, they're huge. Look, look, God's given us all. Yeah, there's some giants for it, but God said he was giving us that land. And the Bible says they had a different spirit because they served the Lord wholeheartedly. I had a season in my life where I served the Lord half-heartedly. It's not comfortable sitting on a fence and trying to keep one foot in the world and one foot in Christ. I'm telling you, it's worth letting go. It's worth committing to Christ. It's worth it. You just got to drive a stake in the ground. I'm not going back to Egypt. Young people, some of you went down to Florida, had a great encounter with God. It's not worth going back to the world, is it? I'm telling you, it's worth leading others into there. But you got to commit. It's time to get out of the half-hearted Christianity, the boring Christianity, and begin to step into that fire of God. Now, level two, we're leaving the letting go level. That kind of... when well, we left Egypt and we're coming into the wilderness now. The wilderness is the level of trusting. Okay? This is the trusting level. It's where you have to learn how to trust your daddy God to lead you. And guess what? He can lead you, young ladies that are looking for a husband, that are doing whatever you can to try to get... The Bible says that it's a good thing when a man finds a woman. Okay, it's a man's responsibility to find you. You just serve the Lord, trust the Lord, He'll bring Him to you. And I could tell you a bunch of stories about how God can do that. But you've got to learn to trust. And there's a lot of lessons to learn at this level. And it's one of those things that's a lifelong journey. No matter how old you are. I mean, you've still got to learn to trust the Lord because there's always situations coming up. So there's a lot of tests at this level of trusting. And here's the key you need to help unlock this level. It's the key of obedience. Say obedience. Deuteronomy 28, one. If you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all His commandments which I command you today that the Lord your God will set you high above all nations on the earth and all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you because you obey the voice of the Lord. Blessed shall you be in the city. Blessed you shall be in the country. And it goes on for verse after verse about telling about all the blessings if you just obey. And then it has a lot of verses that if you don't obey. And I think they're called curses, not good things. But it's just simple. Do what He tells you to do and He will bless you. He really will. I used to look at this thing when I was young and think, this is something that's going to spoil my fun. This thing called The Bible. But now I realize, man, this is a book of success. And even major corporations and some of the, the better leaders are realizing, man, this book's got some great leadership principles. You really can serve people and, God, and, and your business prosper. You don't have to. It's not dog eat dog. You've got to step on people, fight your way to the top. No, you use these principles. It's amazing how successful you can be. And I know there's some Christian men and women in here that are doing that. And praise the Lord. Not that I'm hungry for Chicken Express or anything, but hallelujah. But here's one thing, and I'm going to kind of step aside for this one because this is a real personal thing for me. How can you trust God for healing if you can't trust Him with 10% of your finances? I mean, if you can't trust Him with the 10%, how can you trust Him for miracles? Because the Bible says the money is just really the little thing. It's just almost a testing ground. Well, if I can hand you, if you can handle this stuff, you know, which is not that important, but it, yet it consumes us because, I mean, it, everything seems to revolve around it. But if I can trust you with that and you return that 10% to the Lord, man, it's amazing what I can begin to do. I mean, that's one of those levels of trusting that's going to unlock, that's going to get you to that next level. It's going to unlock that gate to get those grapes. All right? The Bible says Abraham is called a friend of God because he obeyed God. How do you know the, how do you know the voice of God? First of all, this is the voice of God. So what he says in here, you can pretty much take this to the bank. But what about that inward voice that you, that you try to hear uh, for yourself? Well, first of all, it comes by spending time with him, by being attached to him, by getting to know him. See, God's into relationship. He wants to speak to you. Kevin Mote, one of the prophetic people in our church, and we're all prophetic. It's a prophetic time. That, that means we're able to hear the Lord, the voice of the Lord, and be able to communicate His encouragement, uh, you know, to lift people up, to build people up. And I challenge everyone in this room. First of all, when you ask somebody how it's going, and they say, oh, I've got a headache, or it's not going so good, and you say, can I pray for you? Now, how many know when you say that, they're thinking, okay, this person's going to walk away, and they're going to pray for me sometime when they're on their own. Now, how many have went the next step, And that you reach out and start praying for them right then. And they're kind of, whoa, 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 whoa. But in just trusting that God's going to speak through you when you pray. Kevin Mote says it this way when he comes into our our Connect class and prophesies over some people that have heard prophecy for some of the, I mean, the first time in their life with the denomination they come through, they just hadn't been around that. And he begins to just, and he just says, it's just real simple. He said, there's radio waves going through the air right now. And I just ask God to help me tune into your radio station. And just what God's saying to you. And it's always uplifting, encouraging. But he says this. He said, I no longer depend on my ability to hear God, but on God's ability to communicate to me. Doesn't that take the burden off? God wants to communicate. Spend time with Him. Get to know His voice. Okay, so now, we go through the level of letting go and we let go of some things. Now we're in the wilderness, learning to trust. And isn't it something? This was a two-week journey from the Red Sea to Canaan. And it took them how long? Forty years. Sometimes, do some of us feel like that? Sometimes we just keep wandering around. And man, when am I going to learn this lesson? I ask God, Lord, I want to learn this quick. So make it clear to me. So I can get moving on. But now we come to the level of crossing over. This is the crossing over level. Say crossing over. They're crossing over from the Jordan from the River, from the wilderness, across the Jordan River at flood stage into this promised land. Okay. This is where you're crossing over from church life into kingdom life. There's a difference, and I'm going to talk about it in a minute. And it, it starts to happen when you come to church, and you begin to see the church different. First of all, you could come to church now, and it's like you're getting on the cruise ship. wonder what they're serving today. I wonder what the buffet is. How, how good are the donuts? Is it going to be too loud, too soft, too hot, too cold. And it's all about you. And it's this cruise ship mentality. But then something shifts, and you feel, you know God's doing something inside you, and then you begin to see the church as a battleship. And you begin to realize, I have a place to play. I have a part to play. I have a, I have a station to, that I need to, to be at, whether it's greeting or serving or whatever it is. And then you, or we're like a Coast Guard boat going out into the sea of sin, and we're throwing life uh, jackets out there and life preservers to try to get those people that are dropping off into a place called hell, and we're trying to save them. And it's a whole different way to see things. But we've got to cross over in that. It's leaving the old and going into the new. It's leaving that lukewarm lifestyle, entering into the fire of God. It's leaving the dull and boring and routine into the the life of faith and the joy of God. Leaving the fear and going into the faith. But you must change your mentality. That means you've got to change from a survivor to a soldier. From a wanderer to a warrior. From a grasshopper to a giant killer. Because those ten spies, all we just feel like grasshoppers. I mean, those giants are so big. I'm telling you, demonic forces are big. But guess who's bigger? Our God, who already defeated him 2,000 years ago. We sang about the victory earlier. Now we've got to apply that victory as we cross over. We know there's a battle on the other side, but we know God's given us that victory. And here's the thing. We can kind of focus on the grapes and, oh, you know, I need this, I want this, and and these blessings. But really, this is all about the battle for souls. But when we get these, we are more in position to be able to reach those souls. I know there's people in this room, whether it's business men or women, that really your heart is to see your business prosper to a point where you can begin to walk away from it more. Why? So you can invest more in the kingdom, whether it's financially or more of your time. And that's part of getting those blessings. So it'll give us the freedom to really do what we're called to as a church. And when people look at us, they say, hey, you are a people whom God's blessed. And they see God's... And I'm going to tell you, there's, there, there's a fight. There really is. But we're moving into time where we need to cross over. And one of the keys to conquer this level is the key of persistence. Say persistence. I mean, you, 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 if you don't get weary in doing good, you will reap a reward. Amen? And it doesn't matter how big the giants are. It doesn't matter how far away the grapes seem. It doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are, at all. But we've got to fight for this right to get these promises. And I know you've heard it said, for every new level, there's a new... Devil. There really seems like that. And I believe there is. Now remember there was giants in this land of Canaan, and those giants represent the demonic forces that we have to contend with in their strongholds. Okay? And God's given us these promises, but it's like there's a devil sitting on every promise. And say and you go to that promise and you say, Okay, this is mine, and the devil says, No, it's not, and you say, Okay. And you just walk away. But you've got to, hey, if it's in here, this is yours. And it's yours to stand on. You've got to say, uh, uh, devil, time to go. I rebuke you in the name of Jesus with the authority. Now, this is when you move into the kingdom. You're given authority. I'm not just saying church life. You can yell at the devil all you want. But when you step into the realm of the kingdom and realize there was a price paid, I have an authority through Jesus Christ. And the words that come out of my mouth are not just my words, they're his words. Amen. Here's a couple things about persistence. Persistence means you're moving, you're taking ground. All right? Exodus 14:15. And the Lord said to Moses, "Why do you cry to me? Tell the children of Israel to go forward." They were moaning and groaning, "Oh God, why? Why not this? Why not why don't you do this? Why don't you do that?" Instead of whining and moaning, maybe it's time we begin to instead of waiting for somebody else to clear a path for us, just begin to move. Begin to put on your armor of God. Begin to pray. Begin to take some ground back. In Exodus 23:30, it says, Little by little I will drive them out before you until you have increased or grown. See, yard by yard it's hard, but inch by inch it's a cinch. And you just got to be able to take some steps. Begin to move because God will promote you sometimes little by little. I mean, it's line upon line, precept upon precept. Here a little, there a little. You go from glory to glory. But then God can. See, David. First of all, he had to fight the lion and the bear before he fought his giant. And persistence, you've got to have it. I mean, Caleb in his 80s, but it said he was still as strong as a young man. And he was in his 80s. He said, okay, God, I want my mountain. And he went and drove some giants off of him, and killed some giants to get it. And he was persistent. And another scripture in Romans 16, 20, it says the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet. That word crush means to annihilate, torpedo, disintegrate, totally destroy, crush the enemy. But it says, under our feet. That means we are involved. Okay? It says, we will tread on serpents and scorpions and all all power of the enemy. So we're involved in this. Sometimes we say, oh God, please do this for me. Well, he did it 2,000 years ago. Now we have authority that we need to stand up in and say, okay devil... By his stripes, I am healed in Jesus' name. Amen? And I'm telling you, sometimes it's a battle. And here, when the church collectively begins to get a hold of this, we're going to see more healing flow out of this services during the worship. Healing. Why not? When that atmosphere of faith arises and we're all on the same page. Now, here we go. Left the level of letting go. We've let go. We're in the wilderness, but we're, we're, we're learning this level of trust, and we're trusting God, and now we come to the crossing over level, and what are we crossing over into? We're crossing over into this level, the level of the kingdom. Say kingdom. And the kingdom can only be accessed with the key of faith. Because can you see this kingdom? Where is the kingdom at? Well, the Bible says it's right here inside of us. I mean, it's right here. And I think at times we have a glimpse of it, or we we have a little taste of it. And then we kind of go back into church life. But listen to this, okay? When we're in the wilderness, that's kind of like we're just going to church, living our everyday boring life. But the kingdom, it's all about Him. The kingdom is where we see the signs, wonders, and miracles. It's where the deaf hear, the blind see, the brokenhearted are healed. Okay? That's when you step over into the kingdom realm. But there and listen to me prophetically, if you hear nothing else and I think you already know this cuz God's speaking it to your heart, that America is at a crossroads. And the church needs to cross over. Because politically, we we are on the edge of destruction. Economically, I mean, we're at a place where we could fall off the edge any minute. And it blows me away sometimes how Christians, how they think politically, and how it's not even close to this thing called the Bible. The church needs to cross over. Thank God we got a pastor that has an understanding of the importance of just being politically minded and makes place for that. Let's give God glory for a great pastor and pastor family. Amen? Amen. America needs revival. And you know what? Revival has to happen right here first. It has to happen in these shoes I'm standing in. And then we'll begin to see it sweep across America. Okay, I'm going to close with some things about faith here as we close. Because faith is so important. First of all, some characteristics of faith. Faith sees, faith sows, faith speaks, and faith sings. Try to say that real fast. But first of all, faith sees. Say faith sees. You have to see the grapes before you can get the grapes. What you can achieve, what you can conceive in your mind, you can achieve. And first of all, I mean, the mind is a powerful thing. Think about the woman with the issue of blood. She had a need. She knew Jesus was in town. She knew He could heal. And somehow, she had to get a picture. Okay, I picture myself, and it's just like I'm going to grab just just touch the hem of His garment. I'm going to be healed. I should just so it's so locked up in her that she left her house, and what did she come up against? A mountain, a crowd of people. And first of all, she's ailing, she probably doesn't feel that good, and there's all these people, and Jesus somewhere in the middle of them. And I don't know what she did, but she had that vision in her mind. She got on her hands and knees, but she might have been biting ankles and just clearing away. But somehow, pretty soon, that vision gets a little closer, and boom, she touches the hem of his garment. Jesus stops in his tracks and says, Who touched me? In other words, the actual translation, who has pulled virtue out of my body? Who's pulled power? Who, somebody's touching heaven and bringing it down to earth right now. And why, why not right now for some of you in here that need a healing? I mean, just right now, in Jesus' name, we release healing in this house in Jesus' name. But faith sees. You've got to see yourself eating the grapes. Even Jesus visualized the victory. In Hebrews, two, in Hebrews 12, 2, For the joy set before Him, He endured the cross. He looked beyond the stripes on His back and all the pain He'd have to go through, even beyond the resurrection, to see people sitting in this room that haven't experienced His love yet. And that was enough to carry Him through that cross to the other side so we could have that victory. Amen? Face sows. You can't have grapes until you sow grapes. Alright? Blessings follow the blesser. Ephesians 6.8 knowing that whatever good anyone does, he will receive the same again from the Lord. If you want to get grapes, you've got to distribute grapes. Okay? There's a whole book on that. The other thing, faith speaks. All right? Matthew 17:20. He replied, this is Jesus. This is the red. I was told this at a young part of my Christian walk. If you want to have anointing and strength and power in your life, read the red and pray for an hour, and you'll receive the power. Just do that every day can't go wrong because you have so little faith i tell you the truth if you have faith as small as a mustard seed you can say to this mountain move from here to there and it will move nothing will be impossible for you i'm telling you, it needs even jesus when he was confronted by the enemy and tempted jesus the actual word said it is written and he spoke the, see you can't the devil can't read your mind you got to take this word and speak it out loud over some situations. If you're fearful, then you speak out every day because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. You want to speak out that I've not been given a spear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. If there's all hell coming against your family, you say, hey, wait a minute. No weapon formed against me or my family will prosper. Every tongue that rises up against me in judgment will be shown to be in the wrong. And you can go on and speak the Word of God because that's what the enemy bows down to. And you need to speak it out into the atmosphere so we can change the atmosphere you're in. So you've got to speak God's word. And lastly, faith sings. Judah, that word means praise. And in the Old Testament, they would send the tribe of Judah out into the battle first. They would send the worship team out first. And begin to praise. Why? Because when you praise, God shows up. And praise is an act of your will. And you don't have to feel something for it to be real. As a matter of fact, it's called the sacrifice of praise sometimes. You just got to sacrifice. But you know what? Again, it doesn't matter how you feel. If you start saying, God, I love you. God, I exalt you. And you just begin to, guess what? He shows up. And something loosens. Prison doors open up. Jail cells. I mean, freedom comes. And it has nothing to do with feelings. It takes the mind, your mind off of you. And praise lifts you up to where God is. And guess what? God is very comfortable with praise. A matter of fact, Psalm 22:3 three, it says He inhabits the praises of His people. So, when you praise, God shows up. You just want to see if He shows up. Let's just begin to exalt Him. Just start praising Him. Just close your eyes. Oh, we worship You, Lord. Thou, oh Lord, oh Lord. Mountains, you will melt like wax in the presence of the Lord. Thou art exalted far above all. For thou. If you're here and you've never crossed over, that means you're still in Egypt. You're still in the world. You know the enemy has his hook in you and you're just you're just kind of his puppet in a sense. And you're not experiencing freedom. You're not really experiencing God's love. I spent 30 years in church. But it wasn't until somebody asked me a question. If I died, would I go to heaven or would I go to hell? And I really didn't know. And I just raised my hand that day and asked him to say a prayer for me. Because what I went from was just a religious experience to having a personal relationship the only way you can have a personal relationship is you invite him into your life and so by raising your hand you're saying Jesus I invite you in because he won't force his way in so real quick if you've never had an experience like that if you've never invited Christ into your life or you have just got sucked back into the world and you realize today's the day to make a fresh commitment, I just want you to hold your hand up so we can say a prayer for you. You're saying, Jesus, come into my life. I want a fresh start. I see your hand. Anybody else? see yours and yours. Anybody else? I see yours. God bless you. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Let's help them cross over in here. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. We bless you, Lord. And praise your name. See your hand. All right. Now, what we're going to do, our altar team is going to begin to come forward. Those of you that raised your hand... If you would just, right now, even head to the cross. Just walk over to the cross. We're going to have somebody meet you over there, give you some literature, Give them a hand. Thank you, Jesus. We bless you, Lord. Just go over to that cross. Pastor Joe's going to be there. I'll have some altar workers come over there. The rest of us, we're going to have our altars open. And stick around at least through a chorus again. But some of you need to just step out and come agree with somebody. Because there's some real opposition against you. And I want our altar team to listen. Altar team, altar team. I want you, before you pray with people, before you lay hands on them, just wait a second. And just allow a stirring in your spirit. And then just go ahead and lay a hand on their shoulder and just begin to believe God's going to speak through as you pray for them. Amen. So if any part of this message, you just need prayer for anything. You want to go to that next level. You need healing in your body, whatever it is. Church, if you'd stay with us and just worship one time through. And just for that anointing, just continue to be heavy here for breakthroughs for people. Amen. So just begin to come to the altars. Let's sing one more time. And we're going to continue, but we'll release you right after that.